Luke 10, 1 through 9. And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. this morning to introduce our speaker, Jack Larson. I enjoyed getting to know Jack about two years ago when we took a college student mission trip down to Mission Emmanuel in the Dominican Republic, and I know that many of our uh, people in attendance here this morning know Jack as well. We've sent high school teams, college teams, and even some of our adults have met Jack down, in the mission, uh, down at Mission Emmanuel. And let me share just a little bit about Jack so you know who this man is that is speaking to us this morning. Jack has been in ministry for about 40 years, and he originally went to the Dominican Republic in 1970 when he planted Youth for Christ there. Since then, Jack has founded and directed several Christian mission organizations, including Project Serve, World Servants, The Gathering, and Mission Emmanuel. He started Mission Emmanuel about 20 years ago and currently serves as their Director of Strategic Initiatives and funding. And so that's what Jack does, but I want to give you a little bit of an idea who Jack is. So I don't know if this ever happens to you, but every once in a while I scheme up a crazy idea about how I can just serve God in some huge way. And then I'm like, Josiah, chill out. That's just not realistic. Um, But Jack, when he gets those ideas, he actually does those things. Um, He's missing that impulse that tells him, Jack, you shouldn't do this. And man, God has used him in some incredible ways as a result. Listen to this. In Jack's organizations that he's worked with, they've planted over 150 churches. They've started several hospitals. In Mission Emmanuel, in this neighborhood of Cielo outside of Santo Domingo, they've built 70 homes, a water purification factory, a wheelchair factory. They have pediatric medical, dental, and physical therapy centers. They have schools. They put over 500 children in a child sponsorship program. It's absolutely incredible. And so uh, I had this high school coach who always used to tell our team to get us motivated. There are talkers and doers. What type of person are you going to be? I think it's pretty clear Jack is a doer. But I also want you to decide for yourself if he's a talker too. (laughs) Jack, can you come over here? I'd love to pray for you. Father God, we thank you so much for this man. We thank you for Jack. You've used him in some powerful ways, God. And it's not, uh, it's not because of his strength. It's not because of his uh, driven nature, God. It's because you have put your hand upon him, God. You have used him by your grace. Your spirit has used him, God, to serve others and give them a knowledge of Jesus Christ and uh, your work in our lives. We pray that your spirit would be upon him now as he shares the word with us. And we ask this together in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Josiah. Great to be with you this morning. Enjoyed the early service. It's good to see Rob here. And uh, where are you, Rob? Hey, Anna Rose. <laughs> um, Rob and I have been together three times, and first time he was down there, I thought, you know, I found my mini-me. <laughs> and um, I, I was, if he was up here, I was going to say, we're, between he and I, we're testing the, the structure of this stage in a major way. And uh, it may look like an ADHD convention up here sometime. So both of us have, both of our minds kind of go in a lot of different directions and, and you talk about impulse control. Um, I haven't uh, graduated from that school yet. Um, I want to just uh, share with you the unlikelihood of why I am doing what I'm doing. Um, although I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to a Christian church, and I, but uh, along in my early teens, I drifted off, got involved with gangs, was put in jail, and uh, I still, my dad used to force me to go to church, and I'd finally, he'd get me to go after a while. And uh, 16, when I was 16 years old, um, the um, the uh, teacher that morning got up. He says, "Today I'm going to talk to you about how to live like a Christian." And he says, first of all, I want to tell you, if you want to know how not to live like a Christian, live like Jack Larson." Now, that's not a great way for youth leaders to uh, build great following. I got up, and I didn't go back to church for eight years. I didn't become a Christian until I was 24. But like anything I do, I don't do anything in quarter measures, half measures, or even three-quarter measures. But during that period of time, um, I was in professional drag racing and uh, a number of other different things that uh, uh, allowed my need for speed to, to uh, in, be involved in. And, uh, but God has an economic God in that sense that he, it's an amazing thing that he allowed me to use everything that I've ever learned or done. I'd studying some engineering. I'd studying some, um, uh, of course, I studied machinery and all kinds of things like that. Well, when you're a missionary, you get to, especially in the middle of nowhere, and your truck breaks down and your van breaks down or your Jeep breaks down, it was good to know some mechanical things. So I'm grateful. But the most important thing is, is that the unlikelihood of God choosing me to do what I've done is amazing to me because I, but I read in 2 Corinthians 10 that he picks very unlikely people to do those things. He, uh, he picks, the, picks the weak to confound the strong and the dumb to confound the wise. And so, you know, they, I'm kind of one of those examples that say, well, if Jack can do it, anybody can. And I believe that's so, because I'm not, I, don't, I haven't got, I'm way over the gifts and abilities. My daughter says to me, Jack, Dad, um, you know, you've built churches all over the world, and you really never like going to church. 
not even now. <laughs> when they're your own, when you've got to preach. <laughs> and, uh, and, and yet you built all these churches. And I said, yeah, you have a point there. And then she says, you've, you've built schools. We, I was figuring the other night, we, I built enough schools, we probably have close to 100,000 students in, around the world. And uh, I, we have no degree in education. I don't know anything about, I hate, as my, dad said, my, as my, um, my daughter says, Dad, you hated school. You barely graduated. If it wasn't for shops, you wouldn't have made it. And then, lastly, you know nothing about medical. Nothing. Except how to get sick. And that I've done regularly. I peripheral neuropathy. I don't have any feeling below my knees. So that's why I have to kind of hold on to this. Uh, because uh, it's, uh, I get a little wobbly. But... In the Dominican Republic and other places, we built clinics all over the place. One particular clinic that we've had now open for 30 years is now seen over one million patients. And uh, it's amazing to me that God can use somebody like me to, to do something like that. So let's go back, going back to our text, I want to just start off with, the, there's a saying in... in um, in Spanish, in the DR, Cristo y salva y sana. Jesus saves, and the average person would read heals. But it really doesn't mean heal there. It really means becomes a complete whole person. And that's, that's what our home ministry is structured on. When we, when we started there, we wanted to go a half inch wide and a mile deep and to, very opposite of what I've been doing before. So we wanted to address every need that we saw in the community, all the way from the lack of jobs, the lack of education, the lack of medical care, the lack of pure water, and on and on and on. And we've been, we've been able to take one of those, uh, one after another, and really deal with them effectively. So it's an exciting time for us to, to be able to see at our 20-year mark and uh, see all this happened over that period of time. When Jesus sent his disciples, it was a pretty big deal because basically this is the first short-term mission trip mentioned in, uh, in the, the New Testament. And uh, the, when he came, or when he sent them, he wanted them to come, go ready without anything holding them back, go into the house, and find a place to stay. In other words, go in, build relationships, but don't just pass through for a meal. Stay with them during the period of time that you're there. Find out what the needs are of that family. I'm reading way into the text, but I believe that's the case. In other words, commit yourself to a relationship with these people. So you're just not going around handing out tracts. You're investing in their lives. You're investing in their, uh, in their family and you become a part of their family for even a brief period of time because relationships are the only thing in this world that you're going to bring into heaven. Make relationships count. Make relationships count. So he says that to these people, and uh, in other words. And then he goes, he says, I want you to go in there, establish a place to stay, 
and then heal the sick. Now, heal the sick can be taken a number of different ways, but I'm, I want to use it related to the Christo Salvi Sana. I believe the word heal is not, is differentiated between the uh, word cure. There's a difference between cure and heal. When we minister to somebody in a holistic way, when we are staying with somebody and if we come alongside them and, and like um, the Holy Spirit, we come alongside and comfort and be with them and keep our mouths shut and not say, well, all things work for the good. It'll get better. Uh, you can forget about it. You know, another week you'll forget about it. Now, sometimes Christians get, uh, our words get in the way of our mercy. Mercy doesn't require any words. It requires only relationship. When you go to the hospital and you visit somebody, uh, they used to say to me, um, you need to keep your distance between the patient and yourself as a chaplain. They said, I said, really? Yeah. He said, and the head chaplain says, yeah, and it should be about that much. In other words, come alongside and then let them lead the dance. Let them dictate where they need to go. We go in with our own agendas thinking that, well, I got between these two appointments, I can, I can sneak in a visit to Mary and bring her a casserole and uh, just say hi and bye and God bless you. That's not a ministry. That's not mercy. That is something for you, not something for them. It'll salve your conscience, but it won't bring mercy to them. What brings mercy is time. What brings mercy is relationship. What brings mercy is you finding out what it takes to be alongside of them, to go through with them whatever they are going through. One morning I, I, was, uh, I came home and my daughter and her best friend Esty were both bawling, crying, ah, just fiercely crying, bawling. Three-year-olds can do that, you know. And they were just going at it and I said, well, what is wrong? And Juliana took a couple, about a minute to compose herself. She says, well, Estes, Estes Dow broke his arm. And Estes still wailing away. I says, yeah, but how come you're crying? She says, didn't you just hear me, Dad? I said, Estes Dow broke his arm. My daughter so identified with her friend that she went through the same kinds of grief because she was a friend. She was bringing the, the withness, the holy withness that is so necessary to dispensing mercy. You don't dispense mercy like, like casseroles. You don't uh, dispense mercy by pamphlets. You don't dispense mercy by good books. You dispense mercy by and through relationship, period. When Jesus sent his disciples, he sent them as his envoys. He sent them as his representatives. He, was, he sent them ahead to prepare for him. So, by the way, I just want to go further into the healing and curing. Curing is something that happens outside of the, my body. 
Now, it can come through direct, I believe in healing, and I believe in curing, and I believe Jesus can do both, and I've had both happen to me, but Jesus always heals, but he doesn't always cure. None of us are getting out of this alive, folks. None of us. None of us are, you know, those hearses don't have any U-Haul hookups. We are all going out of here at some point. And I want to bring as many relationships with me as I can. Because that's the only thing that God is not going to allow me to check at the door. You know, when we go through security and standing in line, and I'm holding on to all my stuff, and I got my, I got a 67 Firebird convertible. Whew! Wow, man, I've been working on that for a year and a half. I don't want to lose that. It's gone. It's gone. Everything that I hold near and dear to me, it's gone outside of my relationships. And if I die and I have no money and I have people who grieve my loss because they don't have a relationship with me anymore at this particular time, at least for a while, until we meet again in heaven... That's what I'm all about. The rest of it, you can focus all your attention to it. As somebody said, you know, I've been so busy climbing the ladder of success that I got up there and I finally realized it was leaning against the wrong building. <laughs> Big parts of mercy. Let's break down mercy. What does mercy involve? Mercy involves... Forgiveness. Mercy involves somebody, if you're going to talk, help about, talk to them about their identity in Christ, who they are in Christ. But that mercy involves forgiveness, it involves obedience, it involves comfort. Uh, all those things are involved in mercy. Healing, you can come from doctors, but... As I said, I've been, I've been healed, I've been cured also a couple times. Miraculous. Wish I had more time I could tell you about it. But I believe it. I believe those times are still here. Okay. Guys, when you go out there, you go into their home, you find a place to stay. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to pay attention to what the needs of the family are. Where's their sickness? What kinds of sickness is it? Is it relational sickness? Is it a marriage sickness? Is it a sibling sickness? Is it a physical sickness? Is there a, a, a sickness in, in uh, lack of food or other kinds of things? What's the, what's the sickness that, these, that this family needs a healing touch and give that healing touch? And the next thing is, it's denouncing the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a person. The kingdom of God is Jesus Christ, the third person of the Trinity. And they were there to announce that the kingdom of God is near. In fact, he was on the way. He was just a, he was just a community way. But he wanted, he wanted these people to go in there and announce that he was going to be there. The kingdom is near. And when Jesus was sent into heaven, he's still near because he left us the Holy Spirit to be able to continue his ministry in us and through us and to help us grow up into that sense of wholeness, that sense of homeostasis where everything is level 
everything is inside and outside are okay. But only God can do that. You try to worry yourself into um, uh, not being stressed. Uh, sometimes we get stressed working on ways not to get stressed. You know, people say, Jack, you can really release a lot of that stress if you'll just go out there and walk a couple miles a day. I <laughs> okay, that's, that's giving me more stress than I already have. I'll come back <laughs> in greater pain than when I left. That doesn't help. But the kingdom of God is a person, Jesus Christ, God's Son, the third person in the Trinity. He sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. His spirit indwells us and leads us into all truth. His holiness is being produced in us. And his holiness can be transmitted through mercy into into the people that surround us. You know who we have the least amount of mercy for? People who are closest to us. Why is that? Why is that? I mean, I've done it with my own family. You know, that I... You know, in a, in a fight with my family, I, I got to go to the hospital and be a chaplain. I got work to do. <laughs> Settle your own stuff and not be merciful to my own family, my own child, my own wife. The family is the most difficult to be merciful with. But if we don't start there, we'll start nowhere. Don't expect to come to the Dominican Republic and practice mercy if you haven't lived it in your own family, in your own home in your own extended family, in your own neighborhood, in your own community, in your own school, in your own church. Learn to do it there first. Learn to do it there first. The king's joy and peace have been given to us. The king's spirit gives us all kinds of gifts. The king's victory of darkness, Satan, and evil is victory is now ours over him because of the battle, but the battle continues. And we, as we use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it really means the audible, spoken Word of God, out loud. So it's really important as we do spiritual battle, we understand that, uh, that we can defeat Satan, but we need to use Jesus' words and use them audibly. So, what happens at the end of this, the period of time? It doesn't say exactly, I don't think how long they were gone and, and, and um, what they were doing there. But they, uh, they came back. And like a lot of people coming back from a short-term mission trip, they say, wow, it was unbelievable, life-changing. I went down to help somebody and they helped me. Yeah, in God's economy, that's the way it's supposed to be. I found out that they're richer down there and many of the things that... Uh, and I'm poorer than things that they are, uh, that they have through relationships and community and so on down there, and I don't have those things. So we find ourselves at a deficit in many cases when we do these short-term mission trips. But Jesus told these people to go. They did what he told them to do. They were successful. They came back, and I can just see them. They're, they're strutting their stuff. Verse 17 says, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Woo! We bad. 
we be bad. And I'm, I'm sure Jesus was uh, singing a little differently, but this is his response to their input was the craziest thing. Try to follow that thinking pattern from the disciples saying, Wow, look what happened when we prayed in your name and healed in your name. Things happened. And then Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw Satan fall like lightning. What does that mean? What does that mean in relationship to that? It means this, that Jesus did not have to do this. Jesus did not, Jesus could do everything all by himself. He could make, he could make rocks that could do everything Jack Larson could do. But he knew Jack Larson had a need to do these things and to partner with God to be a part of his work in the world in making something happen. He needed that to bolster his faith. For whatever reason, I'm grateful. But the fact is, when you and I do these things, we are participating in the redemption of the world. We're defeating Satan in the eternal battle of good against evil. Does Jesus need us to do that? No! But what could give us more purpose in our life? What could give us more purpose than to say, God's given me a work to do, and I'm going to do it. He's equipped me to do it. He sent me to do it. And yeah, a lot of bad things can happen on the way, but I'm going to do those things. You know, I'm not immune to accidents and other kinds of diseases and things that I've been subject to. I've been in the hospital more times. And, and yet God has protected me. I'm standing here in front of you as somebody who, who has joy in his heart because God has used me as a leader in mercy ministry. And I've been able to be, touch lives and they've been able to touch mine back and given me so much more mercy than I ever deserved. And that was given by Jesus through them. So I'm grateful. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, uh, your, mercy, your mercy is new every morning. Father, help us to try to, this is the last thing we do it in the day, make a call to somebody and get rid of the rest of the mercy that we have in us. May we make a call of encouragement, a call of comfort, uh, to go into a child's bedroom and lay a hand on them, even if they're sleeping, and to say, God, what a precious gift you've given me. They're giving me fits right now, but they're a blessing. Father, continue to indwell us and guide us into all your truth and all your righteousness and all the merciful acts that you designed for us to do, even before the very foundations of the earth. In Christ's name, amen.